Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I'll be delving into each of the chapters of the book and exploring what's the context of uncertainty, what are some of the challenges we face, and what are the habits and leadership behaviours that we need to adopt in order to navigate uncertainty more easily. This week, I'm reading chapter three of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. The chapter's called Emotional Engagement. It starts with a quote, self-awareness, self-confidence and self-belief are foundations for leading through uncertainty. I think those are three things that are absolutely critical and there are three things, self-awareness, confidence and belief, that we can all continually develop. The chapter starts with a story which I shall read now. Like me, the horse seemed to be saying. I had gone to see a horse called Geo and my eyes were drawn to the large black horse in the stable at the end. His eyes locked onto mine and I hoped it would be him. The yard owner Julie led me down the yard and indeed the beautiful black horse was Geo. I entered his stable. His heart was racing with anxiety and he was trying to hold it all together. I wasn't sure he was suitable to work with me and my clients. I didn't want an anxious horse. My horses need to be confident in their own skin because clients are often anxious when they arrive. I looked Geo in the eye and I felt the depth of his connection as he drew me in. My heart desperately wanted to say, yes, I'll take him. But my head overruled my emotion because I couldn't risk taking on an anxious horse. I already had an anxious horse called Tiffin who gets overwhelmed with anxious clients. It was too big a risk. All logic and reasoning made it clear that Geo was not the horse for me. Meanwhile, my heart was telling me a different story. In the course of my work, I often help leaders reduce their anxiety and find a place of greater calm in uncertainty. I wanted to help Geo find his new home so he could relax and be less anxious. And I found myself committing to him that I would help him. It felt like a crazy thing to do to tell a horse I'd help him find the right home. I had no idea how I might do that, and I didn't exactly have the time to keep going to visit him either. But somehow it felt like the right thing to do. There was something about him that kept me going back. Each time I returned, Geo was pleased to see me. On one occasion, he was out in the field, and nobody had been able to get near him with a head collar. We thought he'd become semi-feral since being out in the field with no human interaction. Out with a head collar, thinking if the experienced grooms could not get near him, There was no way I would as a novice horse owner. I approached the gate of the field where he was grazing with three other horses. As I walked through the gate, he looked up and trotted over to me. Clearly, he recognised me. I put the head collar over his head, convinced he wouldn't leave without the other horses. Horses are herd animals and they find their safety with other horses, so sometimes a young horse will not go on their own. Geo walked with me without faltering. He had decided I was his new owner and he would not go with anyone else. Horses are highly sensitive creatures, as are people. The uncertainty about his future made him anxious. He seemed to know that I was willing to help him, and became less anxious as a result. I decided I'd take a risk with him after all. In hindsight, I was Geo's last chance at life, and he seemed to know it too. I'd integrated the wisdom of my head, heart and gut, and found the ideal solution for both of us. 
Gio has turned out to be amazing at working with clients. He's huge at 17.2 hands tall, which is approximately 1.78 metres to the top of his shoulder, but he's extremely gentle. He seems to recognise that he could trample people and is extraordinarily sensitive and respectful around us. I liken it to being a human being not wanting to step on a cat. Gio is a natural connector, wanting to be with people and yearning for a job. Since settling into his new life with me, he has a purpose for the first time in his seven years and his anxiety has reduced as his life has become more certain. Uncertainty creates anxiety in other species, not just humans. Thinking and feeling. Geo's anxiety over the uncertainty of his future almost prevented me from taking him on. His emotions almost derailed his opportunity for a new role working with me. And that's the challenge of leading through uncertainty. Uncertainty puts everyone under pressure and emotions become more difficult to manage under pressure. This is the crux of the challenge we face in business today. We cannot pretend that emotions don't exist because they're a fundamental part of what it is to be human. Uncertainty magnifies them. My rational brain had decided Geo was not suitable as he lacked confidence. It was only when I was willing to look beyond this and try to make sense of him and his emotions that I was able to recognise that he had potential and could grow in confidence. As I created more certainty for him, his anxiety reduced, his confidence increased and I realised that he was in fact perfect to work with me and my clients. We've historically made logical reasoning more important than emotions. The most effective leaders integrate the two. Most people have done psychological assessments and used personality profiling tools that identify habits and behaviours. The either-or approach puts people in boxes and labels their behaviour. While it's useful to create a starting point of self-awareness, people sometimes use labels as an excuse for behaviour and get stuck in a loop of doing things a particular way. Our personality is not permanently fixed. We can learn to expand upon our default patterns and behaviours, and in so doing, develop our leadership. We have the capacity to both think and feel, and we're at our most effective when we bridge the gap between the two. Most people have developed the muscle of one over the other, yet truly effective decisions integrate both critical thinking and emotional feelings. Horses invite us to integrate. If we fail to think through what we want from them, the lack of clarity makes it unsafe for them to follow. Equally, unless we establish an emotional connection, they refuse to come with us. The absence of emotion is incongruent and makes horses feel unsafe. People will come based on rank and authority, but in those moments, you're not leading and the cooperation is not sustainable. Horses provide feedback on how integrated our leadership is. They need clarity through rational thought, integrated with emotional connection, and so do your team. While your team may come with you because of a hierarchy, horses make it clear when your leadership is fully integrated, following you when it is, and refusing to move when it isn't. Are your team cooperating because they have to, or because they want to? The power of thought provides us with the capability to analyse data and information and make sense of it. This is something that computers and robots can be programmed to do. Computers can process data far quicker than human beings, 
and we have the potential to use them to alleviate the stress and workload for the human race. However, at the moment, robots cannot feel. Our emotional response is at the heart of what it is to be human. The desire to take care of one another, another to build community, to nurture and support, to fall in and out of love. All of these human experiences are driven by emotional responses, your feelings. Feelings create uncertainty too, as they cannot always be rationalised. We've learned to shut them down in business and replace them with the drive for results. But with the increased uncertainty at work, emotions run high under the surface, regardless of whether we acknowledge them or not. We need to redress the balance and integrate both thinking and feeling so that we can make decisions wisely and effectively. Emotional judgment. Many people I work with say that their biggest challenge is getting people to do what they need them to do. Often they use logic and reasoning to persuade and influence. Conversely, people engage emotionally. Effective use of emotions, therefore, can encourage connection and cooperation. Emotions are part of the human experience. When we meet someone for the first time, we instantly make an emotional decision about them. We decide whether we trust them or not, whether they're credible or not, whether they're good at their job or not. We make instant decisions with a handshake. And we can change that decision, but once we've formed an opinion emotionally, we use logic and reasoning to justify our initial judgment. If you feel an instant dislike for someone on first meeting, or you think they're not credible, it's typically a decision based on emotions or gut instinct. Everything you see in the next days, weeks and months will be logical reasoning and facts that back up the decision you made at the first handshake. Your brain will ignore the information that proves the opposite, unless the information is very compelling. We may think we make decisions rationally in business, but emotions unconsciously have a huge influence, and that's why it's important to develop our awareness of how we use them, especially in uncertainty. I made an emotional attachment to Gio in that first meeting, an attachment that saved his life and provided me with an incredible horse to work with. I'm glad about that. Emotions have a huge influence on our behaviour. When people walk through the gate to meet me and the horses for the first time, they experience a range of emotional responses. Some people are excited, some are eager to get stuck in because they love a challenge and love being out of their comfort zone. These are the people who thrive on uncertainty. Many more people are extremely uncomfortable being out of their comfort zone and need support and guidance to help them feel more secure. They may respond by shutting down, reflecting, sitting back, observing. Often the masks come up and they hold back. People behave in a way that they feel they should rather than as who they really are. Some people will say, I don't see the point of this, I don't want to do it, it's a waste of my time, it's ridiculous. These people are so far out of their comfort zone and so uneasy with something new that they want to shut it down and make it wrong. The situation may be too uncomfortable, so they ridicule it. As people start to feel more within their comfort zone, they begin to relax, are more willing to engage and become more effective. When you understand why people behave in a particular way, you can cease to take it personally and work with them instead. The more comfortable you are leading out of your comfort zone, the more able you are to deal with uncertainty. Developing confidence in dealing with the unknown is a crucial part of leading through uncertainty. Knowing where your comfort zone is helps you continually expand your leadership capabilities. 
Organisations have a range of people, from those who thrive on a challenge to those who resist change and refuse to do anything new, and those in the middle who are trying hard to adapt but get stressed in the process. In the middle will flip in and out of being willing and resistant. They may push through their resistance to get results, but may get overwhelmed in the process. When you recognise who in your team is comfortable with uncertainty and who is not, you can support people better. When we operate repeatedly out of our comfort zone without time and space to reflect and recharge, we get stressed and overwhelmed. When you develop self-awareness and have confidence in your leadership, you can develop the knowledge that even when you feel unskilled, you're still capable of leading effectively. You can reduce the stress of uncertainty by increasing self-confidence and self-belief, as well as by becoming more comfortable with not knowing the answers. What can you count on yourself for in uncertainty? What do you know that is true about you no matter what happens, whether you're the CEO of a global bank or a homeless person in the street? Our identity is caught up in the roles that we play. If I do a good job, there's an implication that it makes me a good person. If I'm made redundant, I'm somehow lesser of a person, less worthy. But we're not the roles that we play and the jobs that we do. We are rewarded on what we do, who we are and how we show up. But the integrity of our humanity doesn't change with how well we do our job. The world is changing and people need more than results and numbers. Purpose, meaning, connection to self and humanity have enormous value too. Suppressing emotions. When things are uncertain, emotions run high. To squash emotions and pretend they don't exist denies us the full human experience and ignores the wisdom that guides effective decision making. Ignoring your emotions increases stress and leads to overwhelm. When we make emotions wrong in business, we hold that it's not okay to be angry or scared or anxious because it's so supposedly unprofessional. All those emotions we have are part of the natural human experience, but they're shut down because we've deemed them to be inappropriate in the workplace. Emotions have been made wrong in business because people use them in an unskilled way. That unskilled usage of emotions comes from a lack of practice. If you regularly stifle your emotions and don't allow yourself to express them in the moment, your emotions will explode at an inappropriate moment in a less professional way. We've probably all experienced explosions of emotion in the office. When horses suppress their emotions, they become unpredictable and explosive, and that makes them dangerous. We all have moments of unskilled behaviour with emotions, as most people have not been trained to use them in a powerful way throughout their lives. From as early as being a toddler, you learn that it's not appropriate to have a tantrum in the middle of a supermarket just because you can't have your own way. But in the process, we learn to adopt a new behaviour, that of withholding emotion, which leads to the ultimate explosion at an untimely moment. Anger builds up when we suppress frustration over a period of time and pretend it's not happening. When your emotion says, I'm feeling frustrated, it's just information. Be curious. Why are you frustrated? Frustration indicates unmet needs and desires. Instead of being frustrated and letting it build out of proportion, ask for what you want. Frustration can guide you more powerfully to make effective decisions and meet your needs if you're curious about it as a source of information, 
instead of suppressing it. Anger often comes from unresolved frustration that has been suppressed repeatedly over time. The quicker you resolve minor frustrations and disagreements, the less likely it is that you will grow out of proportion and out of control. Your emotions tell you what wants to happen. What emotion are you suppressing and what impact is that having? Uncertainty increases our emotions. The self-awareness required to manage your emotions grows exponentially alongside the volume of pressure that you're subjected to. The more pressure you feel, the harder it is to manage your emotions. That's why it's important to create a culture where people feel comfortable expressing their needs so that there's no need to resort to unskilled explosions. Organisations are full of people who are disengaged. Yes, they work hard. Yes, they're driven. Yes, they deliver. But why? Many people I meet love their job and may love their business, but feel under excessive pressure to perform. They're driven by fear of failure or fear of getting it wrong. Fear of not being good enough, missing out on the next promotion or being made redundant. Yet they are afraid to be explicit about this level of pressure for fear of the consequences. Are your team coming with you through fear or because they're engaged? And how do you know? One is leadership, the other is not. While people may be driven by fear, horses will not. They'll refuse to cooperate until you engage them through relationship, clarity and a sense of purpose. The future of business depends on creating a culture where people can be truly human. If you overlook the humanity and strive only for results and financial returns, people eventually lose focus and disengage. Emotions are therefore critical to the engagement of your team. And this is a case study of a client team. The team had pushed themselves so far beyond their limits that they were exhausted. As soon as they walked through the gate, the horses all lay down in the field. I asked the clients how they felt. Initially, they all said they were fine. It was a standard response. They were so used to coping and carrying on. Eventually, one of them admitted to being a bit tired. Once one person opened up, the others all admitted that they were under significant pressure and exhausted. Once they'd named it, the horses stood up again. The clients had put themselves under repeated pressure to perform to the point where they were exhausted, but nobody wanted to admit it because they'd subconsciously believed it was a weakness. Many people continued to put themselves under incessant pressure without taking time to recharge or to recognise their emotions. And this is taking its toll in organisations with a rise of mental health issues. Source of wisdom. Many of the people I work with, from executive boards to graduates and leaders at all levels in, in between, have suppressed their emotions so much that they do not possess language to describe how they feel in different situations. One of the first things I ask clients to do when they work with the horses is to observe them and name the primary emotion they experience watching them. Often people say they feel intrigued or curious. These are cognitive responses, seeking information and facts. When pushed to describe their emotions, people are often uncomfortable. It's unusual for them to admit they feel scared, overwhelmed or anxious about doing something they've not done before. They'd hardly ever dare to be that transparent in the office and lack the language to describe how they feel. As soon as people name how they feel, 
the stress begins to reduce and the group become more supportive of each other, recognising that they all feel vulnerable in some way. And once expressed, the emotion no longer has a hold over them. Instead, they can use it as a source of information and consider how they proceed. Those who are terrified may want to hold back and watch others first. I offer to help people reduce their fear and most willingly accept. The fear of not wanting to feel an emotion can cause a lack of productivity and lead to not addressing the emotion itself and therefore not meeting your needs. If you don't create the space to feel your emotions, you can't move on because you don't have the space to process it and take meaning from it. Emotions are released by deepening our experience of them, making sense of them and then letting them go. When you give yourself permission to feel, you realise that feelings don't take over. You can have an emotion without losing control and without the emotion taking over. When we're transparent about our emotions, we can create what we want, knowing it is informed by a deep desire, not just a cognitive process. When you get stuck in the loop of a negative emotion or an unmet need, it can feel as though it is taking over, but it doesn't need to be squashed either. There is a way of balancing emotions and using them as a powerful source of information. High-performing teams talk transparently about their emotions and create space to vent their emotions when things get tough, as they often do. They provide support to help each other recover more quickly. They know that unresolved emotions have an impact and need to be cleared to move forward. Emotions actually last only a minute and a half. Imagine that. Most of us get stuck in emotions for days on end. If you feel an emotion for longer than a minute and a half, it's because you're going round and round a situation and allowing yourself to get stuck in the loop of the emotion. Being honest about it can help release the hold it has on you and it's an effective use of emotions to express the unmet need or desire. Are you having emotions or are your emotions having you? The former is powerful use of emotions and can guide you to make powerful decisions based on a deeper embodied wisdom. The latter is where the emotion takes over and you reach an unpowerful state. Increasing self-awareness enables you to notice the habits and behaviours you exhibit and the emotions that drive your behaviour. You can fully integrate the head, heart and gut when you pay attention to your whole body experience. When leaders believe that all of their problems lie externally, they don't take responsibility for emotions and don't change their behaviour, and therefore the challenges they face continue. One client explained to me that he found everyone difficult to deal with. He expected them to conform to his view of the way things should be done, and when they did not, he engaged in conflict with them. He was unaware that he had a role to play in influencing others by changing his own behaviour first. We evoke change in others when we take responsibility for our emotions, actions and behaviours. This in itself requires a self-awareness to explore what we do, how we do it and the impact it has on others. Not easy. Change happens when we willingly accept the impact of our behaviour and how emotions influence it. Self-knowledge is the starting point, but our impact on others also influences their behaviour and has vital consequences. And that concludes uh, the chapter on emotional engagement. And, and at the end of the chapter, I have got some hints and tips and, and also some questions to really get you to think about what does this mean for you as a leader? How do you 
support yourself and your team by having a greater awareness of your emotions. I think it's really important that we pay attention to it because we've that the continuing shutting down of emotions is just creating a, a pressure cooker effect where people are about to blow and and unless we become more skilled in feeling our emotions and, and having a handle on them, we'll continue to see that that suppressed frustration in business that so many people experience. And I think with workloads being as high as they are and, and continuing to grow, it's really important that people are honest about how they feel about situations um, and particularly to start paying attention to their teams and how their teams feel. One of my clients had never considered his emotions or the emotions of his team before. And I know that that might sound quite hard to believe for some people, but for many people and many leaders, that's actually the reality is that the focus on getting stuff done and driving results is is so great that we forget to pay attention to, actually, how do I feel today? Am I, is my stress level rising? Is it reducing? Where am I at? And where are my team at? And one of my clients found this so useful that he started to ask his team on a regular basis how they felt. And as a result, they started to open up. And once they'd opened up in that way, they found that they were having more open, transparent conversations and they developed a level of trust that didn't exist before. So I think as long as we can be honest about our emotions and, and use them in a skillful way, then and continually develop that um, and to recognise that it is a requirement to continually develop them. Not one of us is a perfect human being. We will all have moments where we either suppress our emotions or we explode our emotions we're a continual working process so I think we just have to keep paying attention to it. That concludes chapter three on emotional engagement. Um, in the next uh, podcast I'll be talking about part two of the book which is called You Are Not a Machine and, um, and particularly chapter four which is on stress and overwhelm so I'll be looking at some of the emotional challenges of leading through uncertainty. That's it this week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you'd like to read the full chapter, you can download a copy of it from my website at judejennison.com forward slash podcasts. Or if you'd like to hear real live stories of leaders who've led through uncertainty and how they've overcome their challenges, check out season one of this podcast, episodes one to 35, where I interview leaders from a variety of organisations on their experiences. There are some truly inspirational stories from leaders there. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next chapter of my book, Leading Through Uncertainty.